Hi there, listener. Sarah Holmes speaking. Welcome to Learning Day, a journey to explore how we integrate learning in our everyday lives. And this is Season 2, dedicated to documenting what we've learned in 2020. Here's the fifth episode. 2020 may have felt like a year of inaction, but among the forced stillness, we also have a chance to pay closer attention to what the world needs from us and what we want to see in the world. If you're wondering how your contribution can have an impact in the big issues that humanity faces, this episode is for you. Today's guest is Polly Keane. We talked about taking individual and collective action to address the climate crisis, telling the world about it and being brave one experiment at a time. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hello, Polly. How are you today? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well after the call we were just on together, yes. like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, that was great. Can you tell us how we ended that call? <laughs> yes, we ended that group Zoom call with a silent disco, listening to Madonna. <laughs> and I got up off my swivel chair and I danced around the room for five minutes, along with uh, about 10 other women. Yes, which was lovely and energizing. Yeah. This community was where we met each other. It was indeed. It's called Upfront and maybe we will talk about it again during our conversation. Yeah. Before we start that, I would like to ask you, how would you describe yourself as a learner? I'd say I'm a very curious learner. As a child, I was always very curious. I was interested in why people were the way they were and why the world the way it was. And I think I, I was definitely one of those kids that asked why a lot. <laughs> But yeah, I was just interested and I was reflecting on it the other day. I've, I've got a, a one-year-old daughter now and I think that idea of curiosity is so, is so important and to instill that You know, kids are so curious and just watching her having those moments of, of wonder about the smallest things is, is just awesome. But yeah, so I think I'm very, I'm very curious. I think the flip side to that is I, I can sometimes become interested in too many things all at once, mm -hmm. sort of not really know where to focus my attention. And I think that's even harder nowadays than ever before, because you're just bombarded with information and things the, the whole time. I think it's quite a skill to actually choose and, and be decisive about what you want to spend your time on not, I'm not sure I've quite mastered that but I, I suppose the one thing that has stayed consistent is building my um, my knowledge and understanding around around the climate crisis and the actions that we need to take to protect our future really I think that's something that I haven't really ever turned away from I'm not sure if that's because of the urgency of it and that's something that's been a, a constant learning journey for me for the past I'd say five years now since I left the advertising industry Yeah, so so I'd say I'm a I'm a curious learner. I'm a passionate learner, and I think I'm becoming more comfortable with learning on the fly. You know, getting outside mm. of my comfort zone, trying new things, being a bit braver, failing, and and going from that and seeing where it takes me. It's something that I've definitely developed over the past year a bit more. And so you said that in the last five years you've been focusing on on the climate crisis, and I'm wondering what is the one thing or one thing that comes to mind that was most surprising or relevant? What would you like to highlight from those learnings? When it comes to climate and the climate crisis, it's such a big thing that a lot of people just don't just don't want to go there. They just don't 
they don't want to go deep and, and 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 really understand it and it's and I completely understand that you know it's a big thing that is potentially threatening our own existence that's a big thing and in learning about it you sort of go on this u-shaped curve so you sort of go to the bottom of the curve and you're in it and it feels really scary you learn about the reality of what could be coming and you're, you're sort of in that uncomfortable bit for a while but then you you learn and you understand that actually we have the technology we have the resources we have the people to address this and then you start to feel hopeful and you start to feel empowered and you realize that you as an individual can take action around this stuff and then you're in a sort of more of an empowered place to be I suppose so yeah I think that actually as individuals it feels like this really really big thing but we do have a part to play and it's I think it's about turning that fear into action and when you're in that space that's a really kind of exciting and empowering place to be. No, I can definitely see how it is scary for me. I remember I was I was actually in Dublin. No, that's relevant. But I was touristing and I found this book from Extinction Rebellion called It's Not a Drill. And I started reading the book on the plane coming back to Portugal. And I have to say I put it down because mm -hmm. it was becoming too much. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting, very important, but it's not a sort of reading that you do when you are trying to relax yeah that's how I feel yeah so what helped you go from fear to action as you said it was knowing that all the solutions are there and we just need more people and more collective action to get there and I think when I started learning about climate change it was still something that was a bit more on the sidelines And if you were to talk about it with anyone, then, you know, people might, might not want to chat to you down the pub, you know, bit of a bit of a buzzkill. But it's definitely something that's become definitely in the last couple of years a mainstream issue. Like you can't avoid it. So I think the fact that it's got more into the mainstream and, and that we can have conversations around it has been really helpful. And there are communities popping up everywhere doing really incredible things around this stuff. And I think you have to remember there are so many hopeful stories around where we're going. We're in the middle of the biggest sort of energy transition ever in history, moving to electric, moving to clean energy. Like This stuff is happening. And we as people, as individuals, have the capacity to push this stuff and make it happen faster so I think just knowing that there is global support around this stuff and there are young people striking every Friday they're doing the school strikes who really care about this stuff and I think we have a responsibility as individuals as human beings to take the action that we can and that can be small stuff and it can it can be big stuff I've actually recently joined a really exciting organization called the Mothers Can Network which is essentially a network of climate conscious mothers who want to take action against climate change. The core thing about this group is it's about empowering mothers to start groups in their local communities to have this conversation with other mothers and take local action in their local area. And that might be campaigning for cleaner air or rewilding a bit of green space together, but taking you know, small and tangible actions and feeling empowered as a result. And that all laddering up to a bigger sort of global movement of mothers taking action for climate change. Mothers, in, they've got a unique voice in, in communities. You know, they're part of the, the school community. 
they, you know, they're these the matriarchs of the family who are protecting and looking after their their children and the future of their children. And they've actually got quite a lot of power in communities, which I don't think, you know, we don't often realise as mothers and as women. So it's a really exciting thing to be part of. That in itself is it shows the the power of coming together around this stuff and as I say turning that fear into tangible action and that laddering up to a bigger collective change is is something really exciting to be part of I think. I like that you mentioned communities and yeah definitely that support helps us go from fear into action in any part of our lives. Yeah absolutely and we've seen that with communities response to the Covid crisis. I mean It's seeing my local community come together, connecting with my local community in ways that I never had before. It shows you that what can happen when when people come together and support each other and participate in their community, in their society and, and how important that is. Yeah. I will offer a another argument. Mm. It feels like as individuals, we can do as much as we want, that if big businesses and big corporations and governments, if they don't take action, we are not getting anywhere anyway. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the more cynical or critical voices that just feel like, really, if I recycle, that won't change anything? I think I would say I can wholeheartedly understand where people are coming from when they when they make that argument like what's me rinsing out the yogurt pots really going to do to save the world I absolutely understand that but I think we just have to remember the power and the change that can happen when we come together as individuals and we fight for something together I think if you think about some of the biggest things that have ever happened in history so if you think about the civil rights movement the votes for women movement anti-apartheid that all came from below that all came from social movements yeah. from protests you know think about the, the the most recent black lives matter movement like that came from from grassroots people organizing themselves getting out onto the streets and using their voice to campaign for what they believe in and to campaign for change So you think about history, like those big shifts in history have often happened by people coming together as a collective and, and making change. And that might start off just by doing some small things in the community, but that also then might lead to bigger action. You come together with somebody in your local community, you do a litter pick, you bring people along on the journey with you, and you're building that momentum, you're organizing people, you're creating collective action together. And I think, you know, businesses, companies respond to that. I mean, one of the biggest things that's happening at the moment is people divesting their money and their investments, their pensions, their savings away from banks, which are investing that money in, in fossil fuels and, and driving climate change. Like that's, a, that's a massive thing that's happening at the moment. And that's a huge, you know, that's, that's yes. a huge collective action. And that says something that sends a message. Absolutely. And the banks represent... I think probably above any other institution, like the establishment, mm-hmm. right? the financial system, mm-hmm. if you can mess with the financial system, probably can mess with anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've been very fortunate to work with a fintech that is working in that space. Wow. So they want to allow people to save and invest more, save and invest more and more ethically. And I've had the chance to read and learn more about this, what you just mentioned, mm. how much action has been taken by individuals just by making small decisions. They are small individually, mm-hmm. but then they compound to something much bigger when it's all put together. 
that is what I take from your argument to the cynicals. I, I'm not one of the cynicals, but I wanted to get that on the podcast because I know some people are. I'm, I'm a bit of an idealist. I'm a true believer that we can change the world step by step. Mm -hmm. We might not see the world change by the time we're no longer here, but we need to leave a contribution. And that's how I feel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there for sure. In terms of what I do as a day job and the organization I work for, we're all about helping organizations work with people as citizens and not just consumers to achieve a shared goal and a change in the world. We talk about the way that the system is set up and the way that companies and businesses operate is to treat people as consumers. So we'll sort this thing over here and you can buy our stuff or you can do this thing. And actually, there's a huge opportunity for organizations and, and businesses to give people opportunities to share the society for the better beyond just buying stuff the consumerist culture and the fact that we are we're, we're told we're consumers you know thousands of times a day through various bits of messaging bombarded at us and we are told as individuals you are a consumer your your sort of duty in life is, is to consume and that's kind of the, the role you have and I think it's very easy to then feel quite powerless and and, and helpless against the really really big stuff God, I remember when it was sort of in the summer when, when some of the shops were opening up again and I was watching this breakfast TV show and the presenter on it, she was at this shopping mall and she was saying, you know, it's our duty as consumers to get out and shop today. It's like, wow, that is the role you are giving people is you must shop and all will be well. And as we know, that's not really where the big problems of the world are going to be solved. There's a really lovely quote from a political scientist called Harry Han. She talks all about this kind of collective action and organising. She said that movements build power, not by selling people products, but instead by transforming what people think is possible. That's wonderful. Yeah, so sort of really transforming how people think of themselves as individuals and what their capacity is as individuals to make change and, and take action around the stuff they care about. As we were saying around finance in particular, that is a huge way to use your, your power as a citizen and, and as an individual to fund the stuff that you actually care about. Yeah. I'm now reflecting about everything you said <laughs> about calling people consumers mm. instead of citizens or just humans. There's a, a friend of mine that he keeps talking about that. Shout to Daniel. Uh, I know he'll be listening mm -hmm. to this. And he works in government. And so for him, it's very close to like, Stop calling people users yeah. and consumers. They are humans. They are citizens. Mm. And language has power. And if we see ourselves as citizens and humans in this world and not just as consumers, I think we will look at things in a different perspective. Absolutely. But the thing is, that's happening already, right? We're seeing people come together as citizens over the world and make stuff happen and kind of, you know, the system isn't working for me. So I'm going to actually go out and use my agency as a person to create change. When we work with organizations, you know, if you're a business and you only think of people's consumers, the only ideas you're ever going to come up with is how to sell stuff to people and what people are going to buy from you. But the moment you think of people as citizens, then you can actually ask yourself as an organization, like, what are we trying to do in the world as an organization? What's the purpose? What's the change we're trying to make? And actually, how can we work with people to contribute to that and to make that happen together? And, and part of that might be having a product to sell. But also part of that might be pulling on people's skills on what they can do and hearing people's stories and creating opportunities for people to actually create that change together. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying my chat with Polly. And before we go back to it, here's a message from Franca, a member of the Learning Day community. 
The weekly reflection sessions are my sacred block of time dedicated only to me. As someone who loves journaling but can never make herself do it consistently, the reflection sessions provide me with much-needed facilitation, direction and accountability to become aware of my thoughts in a safe space. I leave the early sessions energized and the night sessions relaxed, but always 10 times lighter than what I arrived with. Consider joining one of the weekly reflection sessions this Thursday. Go to learningday.community to learn more and sign up. Now, back to our chat. Let's start talking about how you created change in your individual action last year. So I'm curious to know, how did David Attenborough make you change your bank? That title, it was purposely to be a bit of, you know, one of those clickbaity titles. It was, it was tongue in cheek. And of course, you know, it works. Thanks very much. And, you know, of course, David Attenborough didn't, didn't put a gun to my head or anything. He was much more polite about it. So I suppose to kind of start that story, I'm a bit of a diehard Attenborough fan. And you might have seen his most recent Netflix film called Our Planet. And that came out last yeah. year and is very much billed as his most urgent and direct film yet when it came to talking about the future of the planet and the climate crisis. And I think, you know, historically, a lot of his documentaries have been for the BBC. He's been about the wonder of the planet. And it's only recently that he started to bring in this story of actually the, the threat to biodiversity and, and the future of the planet. And so this came out on me being a super fan. I was like, I want to watch this, but I know what it's about. And I'm not mm. sure I've got the resilience to watch it. You know, I just, I'd had a baby. There was a global pandemic. People yeah. were stockpiling loo rolls. You know, I just didn't feel like I could, I could hear this message. You, you know, you were talking about the book earlier and, yeah. you know, it's hard. But I think I knew there was going to be hope in there somewhere and I was going to hold out for it. And I'm so glad that I, that, that I did, that I sort of buckled in and, and watched it one evening and and it was, you know, it's a beautiful film. It's it's wondrous. It shows the the uniqueness of our planet, all of that good stuff, all of the good Attenborough stuff. But it's also hugely uncomfortable. You know, he lays out the statistics of where we've come from and where we are rapidly accelerating to. And ultimately, there is a huge threat to, to humanity within the next, within our lifetime and definitely within our children's lifetimes. And that's a really hard thing <laughs> to hear. But ultimately, it's really hopeful and it paints a picture of what the world could look like in the next 50 years if we were to act yeah. now. So, you know, a world of, of clean air, clean energy, one where we're, we're working with nature and, and not against it. And you're like, yeah, that, yeah, that's the future I want to fight for. That looks really great. I've also hesitated a little bit to watch the film and it was before hearing about your story. So I'm, I'm glad I had that context when I read your story. So for anyone listening, go watch the film. Make um, Atom proud. I mean, you know, he should be retired by now. He should be having his feet up, having a cuppa yes. and he's not. He's making these films and we should watch them. Yes, and the, and the film has this very particular feature, which I think is brilliant. It shows his life and it gives you the data of how things have gotten much worse. Yeah in his lifetime yeah. so this is someone who is alive and is well enough to make a film despite the fact that he's 90 something but he's well so it's yeah it's there it's in front of yeah, you he, this this is how bad things are going yeah he calls it his witness statement doesn't he and, and I mean I'm like I was watching I'm sorry David I'm sorry you've had to witness this <laughs> 
I think the other thing that's really interesting, he, he films it in Chernobyl, doesn't he? Where obviously there was that huge nuclear disaster and there are no, there's nobody living there anymore. But it's it just shows this emptiness of this city, which is still just laid empty. But how nature has taken over yeah. and all of these species have come back and reclaimed the town and the city. And his sort of one of his main very powerful points, I think, is that nature will go on. Whatever happens to the world, yeah. nature is resilient and nature will come back. It's humans. It's our, it's us, our existence that we need to think about. And that's sort of, you know, sort of the, the Chernobyl metaphor is that like a, a microcosm of, of what could happen, I suppose. But it is hopeful. I just want to keep saying that. <laughs> it is. It is very hopeful. I agree. I've ended that experience feeling like, okay, we can do yeah, this. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, just so to sort of continue that that story. So that was sort of the catalyst that sort of got me thinking about this stuff again. I'd been in my own little world of looking after my baby daughter and bringing her up. And, you know, I, I'd finally was like, okay, I, I think I'm ready to re-engage with this stuff again. And I'm, I'm going to start with Attenborough. And after watching the film, I was really kind of, I was searching for like, what can I do here as an individual? What can I do about this? And it got me reflecting on conversations I'd had with people, things that I'd read around the impact that you can make as an individual around this stuff and essentially one of the articles I had read and it, which it made me think about was that one of the most impactful things you can do as an individual I think potentially even more than like going vegan is moving your money it's a massively impactful thing to do and so I got to think about like right okay so where is my money uh, my money is is in a Barclays bank account and has been since, um, you know, I was a, a spotty teenager spending all my money on a popcorn at the Odeon. And and I sort of thought, I thought, like, what is Barclays doing? What What's Barclays actually doing with my money? And I, I sort of always known that banks are a bit shady and... You know, you sort of know this stuff and you read about this stuff. I thought, I'm actually going to make a concerted effort to learn about this. And I learned that Barclays is one of the worst investors in fossil fuels. I mean, up there, I think, in the top three. And as are most of the main banks that we, that we bank with. So not only fossil fuels, but Arctic drilling, arms trades. I mean, you name it. Lots of lots of horrible stuff. And to sort of to to really rub salt into the wound later on that day, after I'd read that article, I was out and about and I saw a billboard a Barclays advert billboard and it was a little scene of a little family and their mm. and their baby it had some kind of strap line like protecting your future or like looking out for your future I just thought oh you've really I'm angry now I'm actually angry and I do think it's one of those things like I work for an organization which is about using business as a force for good which is about working with people as citizens to address some of the biggest problems in our world and yet my money, my salary, my monthly salary is going towards funding the stuff that I do not agree with, the stuff that is directly affecting the thing, the change I'm trying to make in the world. And it just, you know, it doesn't make sense. I think we feel like we can make ethical choices with the products we buy and where we put our money. But actually, we so rarely think about who's looking after my money and what's going on with that. So it was quite a sort of shocking thing to come face to face with. Going back to this idea of thinking of ourselves as consumers and thinking of ourselves as citizens, when we think of ourselves as a consumer using a service of a bank, we use that service, maybe we pay a bit to use that service, the bank takes our money and, and says, you know, we'll look after that for you. And we don't really think, you know, it's a transaction, we don't really think any much more about it. When we think of ourselves as citizens, we actually realise as a citizen, I've got stuff I care about, I've got values that I hold 
I've got change that I want to see in the world. I've got a future I want to protect for my family. And I want to contribute to that. Then I can move my money. Then I can actually make sure that my money is funding the stuff that I care about. And I can align all of that stuff together. So yeah, it felt like a bit of a no brainer. But at the same time, I realized why myself and so many other people don't really think about it. It was only when I started talking to friends and family about it, we were like, oh, yeah, it's not about buying ethical things. It's actually about, (laughs) well, it is about that stuff. But it's also about using our capacity as individuals to make a choice about what our money is funding on a daily basis and how powerful that is. And so I ended up researching and learning about ethical banks. I switched to a bank called Triodos, which only invests in ethical energy, community enterprise, that sort of thing. They are absolutely taking off at the moment. I actually had to be put on a waiting list because so many people had started switching Mm. to them, which was actually amazingly heartening to hear. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, put me on the waiting list. That's fine. You know, good. You're doing really well. And I actually told Barclays, I rang them up and told them why I was switching. Mm. Because I think that's actually also a really important part. If you are going to switch banks... It's actually also quite a powerful thing to do is to tell your other bank why you're moving. What happened there? So I rang up Barclays and I I told them I wanted to close my account and I told them why. I told them about, you know, hear all the facts around what Barclays are investing in. I don't believe in that. What what is the the plan as a bank? What are Barclays going to do about this? And she put me on hold for quite a long time. I was on hold. And then she eventually came back to me and said, I sort of mumbled something about, I can send you a leaflet in the post all about our commitment to becoming carbon neutral by 2050 or something like that. No, not much more information. And I, I sort of said to her, that's a, that's a bit too late. Like, you need to be doing it right now. I actually got quite emotional. I sort of talked about the future of my daughter and that I have to do what I can to protect her future. Like I can't look her in the eye when she's older and say that I didn't try everything I could. And it just felt good to say that to someone at Barclays. And, you know, you have to remember that person was just doing her job, really. So I I didn't really get angry, but I I didn't get much of a response. I just said, well, you put it on my record that this is the reason that I'm leaving. So hopefully it's had um, some kind of an impact, no matter how small. First of all, well done <laughs> for doing that. It's just the idea of changing banks. Mm. It's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that easy, right? If you have like any kind of credit or a mortgage or, yeah. I don't know, if you have savings accounts attached to that bank. I know in the UK, things are easier. Uh, it's easier to change. Here in Portugal, it's not as easy. The, the system is not as flexible. And so it's not easy practically in, in, if you have those things. But if you can... What your story tells me is that it actually, all it takes, it's you taking the steps Mm -hmm. and actually setting aside two afternoons in a week to be on a phone and send a couple of emails Mm -hmm. and it works. Yeah. And the other thing to say is it just felt great. It felt really good. And yeah, as you say, it's not easy. It can be more complicated depending on what kind of where your money is tied up in. The switch I made was actually relatively easy. I also then looked at my pension my pension was luckily already in a fund through my organisation. It was in a fund which was funding renewable energy and all that, all that good stuff. But you know that's another thing that you could, that's quite easy to look into in the UK anyway. Is that actually where your pension is, and you can quite easily put it into funds which are are not funding fossil fuels or, or climate change. I did this change. I made the switch. I'd been through this sort of personal learning journey ever since watching David Attenborough's film and being reminded of all of that stuff. And then I was like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about this. I feel like I've learned something and I feel like I want to write about it because I want more people to, to realise that they can do the same if they want. So I, I hadn't written anything really for a long, long time. And I thought, I'm going to write about this because it feels like there is something to learn from here and, and something that I can share. So I, I wrote about it 
I didn't really know if anyone was going to be able to, was going to see it, but I knew it would be something that I could share. So I wrote about, I wrote an article on Medium, created my clickbait title. I thought there could be others as well, you know, like, like you'll never guess what the Amazon rainforest looks like now. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could really go down that theme. My article tinkered with it for absolutely ages. And then I thought, I'm just going to press publish and put it out into the world. And I put it on my social media uh, accounts, Twitter and Instagram, and I sent it around to some family and friends. And it felt really scary pressing publish and putting it out there in the world. But the response I got back was just incredible. So many people saying, gosh, I'd never thought about this before. I'm going to send this to my parents and I'm going to switch banks. Can I talk to you a bit more? And so it was just amazing to see that just putting something out in the world like that can get people thinking and can hopefully create a bit of change as a result. I don't think I would have written that article had I not been on the course that we both went on. Can you tell us about the course and how it led you on a journey to publish the article? The course is called Upfront and it is run by the very brilliant Lauren Curry, who has also been a guest on this podcast. Oh, has she? Of course. Yeah, on season one, episode five. Amazing. I have to listen to that. Yeah, she's amazing. And she calls it Couch to 5K for, for confidence. It's a course for women to help build their confidence, both in professional uh, and their personal lives, to be, to be more confident, to be more visible as a woman, to find your voice about the thing you care about and to put yourself out there more. And it's an amazing network of women supporting each other, trying new stuff. Uh, she creates a safe space where you can talk about the things that you want to, ideas that you've got, business ideas or worries or questions. And it's it's a brilliant, it's an amazing course. It's a six-week course and it, and it essentially teaches you to be more confident and more visible in the world and to, to use your voice to talk about the things you care about. And One of the things in the course is about writing more and to get in the practice of writing about what you what you care about or just writing in general. And I thought, right, this is an opportunity to write something and was massively encouraged by that course. I don't think I would have been brave enough to put something out in the world had I not done that course. And kind of understanding that every time you do something like that, it's a learning journey, right? Like it might not work. People might not like it, but if they don't, you learn from that and you move on. And I think this year, especially, I've got a lot braver just trying stuff, trying stuff out, starting small, seeing what the reaction is, building on what works and not being so scared to fail. First of all, let me say that this is not paid advertising. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am more than happy to talk about this course uh, here on Learning Day because it has also greatly affected many of the things that I've done last year and I'm doing right now. Even this season where I just invited people to apply and volunteer to be on the podcast. I've always been quite community oriented, mm. but I think it has shown me another level of how community can support you and can help you. And with people that you have, you've never met before, but do have one thing in common, or I would say two things in common. One, identify as women. Second, just have this strong willingness to find their power and just, you know, stop caring about the bullshit. Yeah, that is a very good way of putting it. Stop caring about what people think and all the bullshit that comes with it. Absolutely. And that's what we need more of in the world for women and men and all genders. Yes, definitely. And I think that thing you say around community, like 
you don't quite realize how much you need a community until you've got it until you're part of part of it does that make sense like yes you suddenly realize how good it feels to belong to something and to have a support network and to be inspired by what everyone else is doing and to know that you'll be supported in the stuff you're doing it's a really powerful thing to be part of I'd say I want us to talk about the role of community and feeling our power, using our power and learning. Because mm. I think, especially as adults, we, if we don't have that community around us, it's, it gets a bit difficult to either realize how much we're learning or even just taking the steps to actually learn a new thing. And I think there is a connection between those two things. So learning and community and learning and power and taking this step like the one you took, mm. which was, I spent five years learning about this topic. There's this trigger here of this wonderful human being telling me that the state of things and how we can do something different. And then you did it because for the future of your daughter and the, our general futures, and then you share that because you have the support of a community. So I think it's all interlinked. It's not just one event. It's the perfect storm in a way. Mm. You're really making me think about that connection between community and learning and, and empowerment. Yeah, I think just knowing that you've got a community behind you and a community to go back to. And this is an all of an online community, right? Like this isn't even mm -hmm. like face to face. And even that is is massively powerful when you feel part of a community you feel there's like pride there right there's a you're proud yes. to be part of it and you want to make that community the best it can be yes let's do it there in the air and hopefully the listeners will join in this conversation later yeah let's let it percolate like a delicious coffee i am wondering how will you apply these learnings moving forward I think there's been an overall learning this year about my capacity to be braver and to be more courageous and to try stuff out. I think, yeah, that idea of turning fear into action, but, you know, starting small and, and scaling up and seeing where that goes. This year, well, the second half of this year, I set myself a goal of doing a couch to 5k and it took me a long time you know I'd given birth that was really hard you know just getting confident to get moving again and, and all of that stuff and I very recently completed my my couch to 5k mm. course but what I realized was and I think somebody else said this once that the hardest thing about going running is putting your trainers on that's the hardest bit I mean, so many days, all I want to do is just stay under the duvet. But the minute I've got my trainers on and the rest of my running gear, obviously, but the minute you get your trainers on, you're ready. You can't turn back. You've made that first step. You're not going to take them off. You're ready and you keep going and you're off and you can keep going from there. That's something I want to keep remembering in terms of applying what I've learned this year. Like even on the days where you just don't feel ready, often it's just about making that small first step and just putting yourself out there or just doing that thing and then seeing where it leads you. And I think I have to keep remembering that. In terms of other ways I'm going to apply what I've learned this year, I think just being more upfront, being more visible, trying to be a really good role model for my daughter. I think, mm. you know, all this stuff that I've learned, I want her to learn too. One a way that I applied some of my learnings this year, I was walking down the road with my daughter and her pram, and I was walking back to our house. There was a film shoot going on in one of the houses nearby. And outside, there were a bunch of vans, big filming vans with all the equipment in. And they were all just kind of, they were all around, but they were all idling with their engines on. And I walked past and I carried on walking and I got started getting angrier and angrier. And I was like, why are they just leaving their engines on? I was like, no, I'm going to turn back. I'm going to say something. I'm going to be upfront. 
And I turned back and there was uh, one of the security guards was sort of lingering outside. And I said, excuse me, is there a reason all of these engines are idling? The air pollution around here is really terrible. And I don't really know if there's a reason why your engines are on. It's, it's really worrying me. Imagine I'm standing there with my baby daughter as well. It's like, how can you refuse? My heart was beating so fast that I was sort of confronting this big burly security man. And he was so apologetic. He was like, oh, God, absolutely. I'll, 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 tell, I'll tell all the guys now to turn the engines off and I'll be on it all day. I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. I said, thank you. And I turned back and I carried on walking. And I just felt so good. That small thing, me deciding to turn back and being brave and saying something had created a change. And maybe on all the other future film shoots, they'll turn their engines yeah. off. <laughs> and although, you know, my daughter's a baby, she doesn't really understand. But I sort of did it in front of her. And I sort of felt like that was quite a powerful thing to do. So I think keep being brave, keep trying stuff, keep pushing outside my comfort zone and to keep appreciating the community around me, both like on my doorstep and the amazing community that I'm part of here, but also the, the community of women that I've met this year through the course, through Upfront and yeah, using that to empower me to keep taking more action. Mm, wonderful. <laughs> Ollie, one last question before we go. Yes. What is learning for you? I think learning for me is definitely at the moment, learning for me is going outside my comfort zone and trying things, starting small, trying stuff out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And in that, recognizing my power as an individual, as a citizen to create change and take more action and use that power with responsibility. Yeah, it's about going outside my comfort zone, no matter how small that might be. And if you could ask our listeners one question, what would that be? Oh, I think it's probably around that, actually. I think I would like to ask the listeners, when was the last time you went outside your comfort zone? And what was it? What happened? How did it make you feel? And it could be something really small. It could be you were, you were attempting to cook a blancmange for the first time. Or, you know, it was something really big, like making a big life decision or having a big conversation. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know other people's experiences around that. Great. Thank you, Polly. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your bravery as well, again, for signing up for yeah. this and for being such a great guest and sharing with us how we can make a difference. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad I said yes to the opportunity. Thank you, Sarah. If you want to get in touch with Polly, find out how on the show notes. I would also love to hear from you. Go to learningday.community and reach out. If this episode was useful to you, consider subscribing to Learning Day on your podcast app. And, as a little extra, share it with a friend. I don't know where this is going to take us, but I know we're going to learn something along the way. Thank you for listening. See you next time.